Hello, my name is Ken, and I want to welcome you back to Deep Waters. If this is your first time, welcome. I appreciate your ear. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strength Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effective working out the will and calling of God in our lives. The title of this message is, You're In For A Surprise. This is a two-part episode, of which this is the first one. Now, there's a story in the Bible regarding a rich man and a poor beggar called Lazarus. It's actually the only story that gives you insight into this world and the next, in terms of what I call chasm talk. But before we get into digging, I want to lay out what I think will be an orderly progression of this message, culminating into a splendid revelation that what's about to happen to each of us in death is a story similar to this one, be it that we will either be on the rich man's side of the chasm or the poor man's side of the chasm, the sheep or the goats, the wheat or the chaff, righteous or unrighteous, the children of God or the children of Satan, his seed or her seed, light or dark, heaven or hell, or in Christ or eternally separated from God. In Luke 16, 19, 31, it states, There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid up at his gate, desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. So when we see a story like this one, that clearly expresses the hallway chatter that we will indeed have, once we depart from this earth and enter into his presence, for we who know, know that for you to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, And depending on the choices we make down here, we must be compelled to ask ourselves, who would make up such a story? And what would be the advantage gained if people actually believed them? 2 Corinthians 5, 6, 8 states, So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Why tell you a story like this one if it's just made up? And what in the world am I doing if I am just perpetuating a lie? A good story, perhaps. But wasting my life, as Matthew asks us in a very good question, we ought to be asking ourselves why we are still short of a great cloud riding into the wonderful kingdom of God. In Matthew sixteen twenty six twenty seven, he says, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. 
You see, Jesus is saying at least two things here. He is addressing your soul and where it ends up after you die, and the gaining of the whole world no longer profits you. The other thing he is addressing is, if you decided the gaining of the whole world is for the lost overachievers, then the work you do as a Christian will be rewarded in sure measure according to how it aligns with the call he has placed on your life. Okay, so I embellished it a little, but it's still true. So it's important to understand that we are in a war, which is... So it's important to understand that we are in a war, which, in its definition and purposes, is to grow and mature us as Christians, that we would be found obedient and in a wildly hot pursuit of knowing God, of loving and serving Him and others in faith and grace. Yes, those who already belong to the family and to not only preach the gospel so that those who were predestined, called according to His purpose, yes, those who are purposed for adoption to come and see that the water is warm. We are in a war to take back what the devil has taken from Christ. Look at Luke 19.10. If you look at a higher level, you can see that the devil is trying to steal the bride of Christ. Yes, he is actually trying to steal Jesus' girlfriend, as we haven't yet attended the wedding feast. In Mark 3.31-35, it states, Then his brothers and his mother came, and standing outside, they sent to him, calling him. And a multitude was sitting around him, and they said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. But he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother, my sister, and my mother. So do you see it? Your natural kin are looking for you, Jesus. No, I am here seeking my spiritual kin, not another race of humans, but those who have been made fully alive in Christ. I have and am right now redefining family. So think on this. If you call yourself a Christian, then you will do God's will by default and practice. But if you say you're a Christian and you do not do God's will, then you are the mother and brother who are standing outside, oblivious to what is happening right in front of you. In John 7, 3, 5, and 10, it states, His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. But when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast. Not openly, but as it were in secret. You want a new start? Are you tired of the world and all that it has to offer? Are you sick of the fact that it seems that for every good thing you get or do, something bad comes along with it? So for example, let's say I get a Mercedes SL600 convertible for a steal. But when I drive it home and before the next four months is up, I have invested as much as what I paid for the car, in the car, just to keep it on the road. Now I didn't buy the car at a steal so that I could get stolen from. And maybe the owner knew some of the brokenness of the things to come. But I would think not always. And if so, it still proves the point that one, then the other, seems permanent bedfellows. Anyways, this hasn't just happened to me once, but many times. I bought my first car, which was a 1969 VW Bug, for 500 bucks. Yep, I think it was in 1980. But then, just a few short months later, the motor blew and I had to spend $500 to get it back on the road. This is when I was making less than $2 per hour in wages. Same, same when I bought my Mercedes S55 AMG boat. Yes, it was a big car with a jet engine strapped to it. Nonetheless, 11000 purchase price, 11000 invested back in it in the same year to keep it running. Now, I spent some time showing you some examples in my life, and I use cars because I really enjoy cars. But this happens in many, many areas of life. 
Why? Why does it seem that sometimes good comes with evil? Surely this doesn't just happen in my life. Let's look at Genesis 2, 9 and 16, 17. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree in the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Now it all went bad right here. Not at this moment. The war started long before this. But right here we see something that describes our current condition. The dinosaurs grew meat teeth and left the vegan lifestyle forever. At least until the waters ran deep. Once we knew the knowledge of good and evil, we even more became like God. Genesis 3.22 Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now least he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. And now the problem with this is we now were under the rulership of Satan and sin was made alive and well. Everything was headed for death. Rust was waiting for the first car to be born. Corrosion was just waiting around the corner to sink its teeth into molded and reformed materials and metals. Extended car warranties were born along with life and car insurance. What we did in the garden was irreversible and changed the course of life for everything and anything that exists. So in the revelation that we must become something altogether different, if we are to escape the wrath that is to come, because without help, we are as doomed as the environment. If we are to return to live as we were once created to live, then we must pass this life test. We must know that we know that this has all been a test to see if we would actually love God with everything in us, despite living in the enemy of God, that is, in our flesh, in which nothing good resides. And yes, that's a lot of if-ins. Romans seven eighteen and 19. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells, for to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. And so our soul rusts away and would remain so if we didn't have a hope in something else, something outside of us. Okay, so keep in mind that this, that is, all of what I have stated so far is true, whether you confess it or not. James 5.16 You know in your heart of hearts it is true, but for a variety of reasons, you may not want to look at the truth as of yet. No problem, we all started there. Look again at what Paul teaches in the book of Romans regarding addressing those who think that they are the standard for all of humanity, to mimic or model. Now before we review the obvious, let's trip over DCOM and find out what it is to mimic somebody. And the reason I want to address this specific thing is that so many of us are trapped in this mimic web where we do not like ourselves because we believe what others have said about us or we are adversely affected by what they have done to us. Self-hatred oftentimes leads to idolatry or the worship of something evil because the root of it is hate and rebellion. You see, you will always hate others as you hate yourself. Read Mark 12, 30-31 and see for yourself if it's not true. So dictionary.com states mimic, to imitate or copy in action, speech, etc., often playful or derisively, to imitate in a servile or unthinking way. Now, of course, you would rush to a God of love when you are so full of self-hatred for yourself and maybe even for others, right? 1 John 4, 8. Nope, the obvious solution is not so obvious. And yet we know that there is no difference between us and the others when it comes to our position and behavior in life. Well, that's it for today. And as always, I appreciate your sticking around, even through my stoic sense of humor. I hope that you have learned something about God that you did not know prior to tuning in. Or is that clicking in? Tuning sounds so much cooler, right? Anyway, 
Remember, it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding these messages, but what you can take away from them. Together we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, steal, and destroy the work of the enemy and create space for the light of lights to shine through into people's lives. Plant a seed and click on the like and subscribe button. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks and see you next time in deep waters.